0: I.D. the Future, a podcast about evolution and intelligent design. Greetings, I'm Tom Gilson. Today on I.D. the Future, we invite you to listen in as two great friends of the podcast talk about Darwin, Hitler, atheism, and the hot topic, racism. It's best-selling author Eric Metaxas on his own podcast, hosting historian Dr. Richard Weickart talking about Weikert's newest book, Darwinian Racism.
1: I have as my guest uh, Richard Weikert. He's a professor of history at uh, California State University. He's written many important books, but the new one is called Darwinian Racism, how Darwinism influenced—now this is not hyperbole, so take this in— how Darwinism influenced Hitler, Nazism, and white Nationalism, Darwinian racism, and the author Richard Weikart. Richard, welcome to this program. Yeah, hi, Eric. Great to be with you. Look, um, you you wrote a previous book uh, called uh, "From Darwin to Hitler," where you cover some of this ground. Uh, isn't it strange that we live in a time when most people don't know these facts? These are facts. This is not really debatable. Some people may not like what. Is here, But it's not really debatable. Is it debatable that Darwinism led uh, to Nazi thinking, to racism? I mean, it it just doesn't seem to me to be debatable. It's just unknown.
2: Yeah, most historians actually do agree with me, although most don't emphasize it as much. They pretty much put it in the background to some degree. There actually is one uh, prominent historian who has actually tried to debate me on the issue, but his position is completely untenable, and I completely destroy it in this book.
1: Well, so lay it out for people, because my, my friend John Zmirak, he's been on this program. He's talked about this a lot. Um, uh, lay it out for folks who really are, are unaware with the argument. And first of all, why don't you define, you know, uh, Dar- Darwinism so that people really understand what we mean by Darwinism leading to racism?
2: Yeah, Darwinism is the... Uh- theory of biological evolution through natural selection, just as Darwin himself uh, posited it. Uh, And Darwin himself used human races as an example of variations. He thought that that racism was a way to support his theory, in fact. Uh, And not only that, but even worse than that, Darwin thought that races were locked in this inescapable Darwinian struggle for existence with each other and that would lead to the extermination of those that were less fit and the supremacy of then those that were more fit. And of course he thought the Europeans were the ones who were more fit and that's why they were going out and exterminating the Aboriginal peoples in other parts of the world.
1: Right. It fit, it fit the narrative that was, uh, uh in the, um, well, of the, of the 19th century, the latter part of the 19th century, this idea of, you know, there, there's manifest destiny. There's, you, there, there are a number of ways that it can be framed. But the idea that uh, nature read in tooth and claw, this is just the way things are. And it is by definition amoral, right? In other words, that, that there is no God. This is just, we're just describing reality. They, that, at least that's how they would put it.
2: Yeah, exactly. They thought that this was part of uh, nature, and uh, we really can't escape this part of nature. And so when one uh, race is exterminating another race, uh, it's just part of the way that nature has uh, – uh, operates. Yeah.
1: You, you, I mean you must find it funny. Everywhere I go – I mean I'm talking about my new book, Is Atheism Dead? And I talk about the idea that – listen, if you want to be an atheist – I mean first of all, atheism is by definition preposterous. But if you say that there is no God – you have no basis on which to say racism is wrong. Zero. And yet you find a lot of people who somehow identify as atheists who believe that uh, we can con- construct our own meaning. We can just demand that people agree that racism is wrong. And I think, well, I know it's wrong, but I know why it's wrong. Um, Darwinists, uh, atheists, people who believe that we got here by natural selection, which is to say mutations and accidents, they really don't have the ghost of an argument for why racism would be wrong but they're afraid to talk about that
2: yeah i think you're right in fact what's interesting is that a lot of them are blame religion for racism Uh, and so if you look at a lot of the the scholarship that's going on today among scholars who are writing about the history of race you find all sorts of books about how evangelical christianity is the root of racism that's a lot of the uh, what's being put forward in academics uh, in academia today uh, but they ignore the scientific racism because that was progressives. That was scientists who were you know, promoting these kinds of things in the late 19th and early 20th century uh, especially. And by the way, in my last chapter of my book, I show that there are white nationalists today who are recycling the same arguments, trying to use science to
1: try to prove
2: their racism too.
1: Actually, you, I think you opened the book with uh, the shooting in um, – you, you do – in Denver in, Columbine. in 1999, Columbine. Let's talk about that because I was startled myself by that. I had forgotten that. If I'd ever read about it, I'd, I'd forgotten about it. Let's start, let's start there. Spring 1999, Columbine. Uh, t- talk about that. Yeah,
2: Eric Harris uh, carried out his killing at Columbine on Hitler's birthday because he was wanting to honor the Fuhrer. Uh, and he was wearing a T-shirt that said, natural selection. And if you go back and if you read Eric Harris's journals, he kept a journal, a diary. And if you read his diaries, he has a lot to say about Darwinism uh, and its uh, importance in his worldview. Uh, He definitely was a white supremacist and bought into Hitler's ideology. And again, he's recycling the ideas that were – being put forward by the Nazis. And by the way, it's not just the Nazis. In my earlier book, From Darwin to Hitler, I, most of that book is on pre-1914 German thought. Right. Uh, and it's looking at the ideas that fed into Nazis. I mean, Hitler was not an original thinker. The ideas were all out there before he came on the scene. And he just took uh, them in a really, rather fanatical fashion.
1: But I mean, the idea, I, I have myself forgotten all, all of this. They, the Columbine shooting was on Hitler's birthday,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Yes, I I had completely forgotten that. But this is what we're up against, Richard. We're we're dealing with Mm -hmm. it with a media that absolutely uh, is hostile to the narrative that you're putting forth, which is fact. I mean, they murdered on Hitler's birthday, and he's wearing a T-shirt that says natural selection.
2: Yeah.
1: And And, that's like the the cartoon version, except you're telling me that actually happened.
2: Yeah, and that's not the only time that something similar to that has happened. There have been mass shootings in other countries, in Sweden there was a mass shooting that was uh, by a guy who was claiming that he was, he had, his worldview was based on uh, Darwinism and natural selection. Uh, we had a, a situation just a couple of years ago in 2019 at the garlic at the Gilroy Garlic Festival here in California, uh, where a, a young man. Uh, killed three people and wounded others uh, at the Garlic Festival. Uh, and he put posted to social media just before he did that uh, that people should read a book by a guy named Ragnar Redbeard called Might is Right. And the, the subtitle of that book is Survival of the Fittest. And if you read Ragnar Redbeard's book, which I have in the course of my research for this book, uh, it's one of the most uh, – incendiary pieces of social Darwinism I've ever read. He quotes Darwin explicitly. I mean, it's not just, you're not just reading into it Darwinism. He actually quotes from Charles Darwin, uh, and he makes very clear that he sees races being locked in, an, uh, in a struggle for existence and such. And Ragnar Redbeard's book is being promoted on a lot of white nationalist websites today. Uh, and even I think
1: there's even a PDF version of it somewhere out there. Uh, but Redbeard's book is just incredible. Well, I mean it really it is fascinating that that we 're in a war of ideas that we, we want to help people to understand that apart from the bible uh the, where do you get the idea that racism is wrong? I mean, if you follow uh the 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 atheist science uh you, whether you go back to to Darwin or you go back to Nietzsche, whatever it is, they have uh uh, an almost coherent set of ideas, mm-hmm. but people just want to ignore all the bad stuff and kind of pretend like, well, we'll, we'll take the good part, racism bad, but they don't have the beginning of, of an idea why it's bad. They can't talk about the fact that it was, you know, Bible thumping evangelicals who, who led the abolitionist movement in England, uh, and in, in, in the United States, it comes out of the Bible. Um, Mm -hmm. Where else would it come from? I mean, it's just a fascinating thing. They like there's something about it they like, but they want to deny where that idea comes from. Yeah, it's it's a great point. And in fact, I have
2: colleagues who I've talked to who explicitly say that they are moral relativists, but then uh, when you start talking about race, and I have, I've I've mentioned about race and told them this very thing that you're saying, you know, that you don't really have a basis for claiming that racism is wrong. I do have a basis for claiming that racism is wrong because we're all created in the image of God. Uh, But still, they... Uh, somehow want to so have their eat, have their cake and eat it too. You know, they wanna be able to say that there's no such thing as morality, but then you're immoral if you're a Christian, if you're pushing, you know, your particular views that they don't like, then that's immoral. But it's just based on as far as I can tell, their feelings. But that's where you get into Issues of postmodernism and the kind of postmodernist thought that just says, well, we can manufacture or create whatever reality we want to. And so my truth is my truth and your truth is your truth. But, of course, I'm going to try to impose my truth on you just in a Nietzschean kind of fashion. So I'm going to try to be the overman to you know, impose my views on you and, and dominate. So what you get is this really weird situation where you have a lot of intellectuals who are you know pushing real strong against any kind of oppression such as racism. But on the other hand, they're trying to impose their views on everyone else. Irony, irony, irony,
1: irony. It's unbelievable. We're talking to the author of Darwinian Racism, Richard Weikart. We'll be right back. Hey, folks, I'm talking to Richard Weikart, professor of history at California State University. The book, it's called Darwinian Racism, How Darwinism Influenced Hitler, Nazism and White Nationalism. Uh, These are just facts, but they have been so... Um, airbrushed out of uh, history and out of the narrative that's important that we revisit them, familiarize ourselves with them. Richard, I, I just turned to a page. You have a uh, a, a, a photo, a, p- a picture here of Hitler um, wrote a message in a book on Christmas. And Hitler wrote, I just want to say this in German first, just because I can. <laughs> Die ganze Natur ist ein gewaltiges Ringen zwischen Kraft und Schwache. Ein Sieg des Starken über den Schwachen. Very impressive. What does he mean? He says all of nature. I mean, this is vintage Nazism, ladies and gentlemen. Vintage Darwinism. Vintage. It says all of nature is a powerful struggle between power and weakness, and eternal victory of the strong over the weak. Parentheses. Kill the Jews. That's really. You know, the the idea that in, in 2022, you, Richard Weichert, have to point this stuff out. This has been uh, out there since the Nazis, uh, but very few people in the academy have been willing to take this on. Why have you taken this on, not just in this book, but generally?
2: Well, interesting. I came, I came about it through sort of a back door. I was in the when I was doing my graduate work, I was working on the socialist reception of Darwinism, and I noticed that a lot of uh, Darwinists were promoting evolutionary ethics. And so I got very interested in the topic of evolutionary ethics in the late 19th century. But as I began investigating evolutionary ethics, I started thinking a lot of these ideas that these people are putting forward based on evolutionary ethics like eugenics, the idea that we should uh, engineer you know, humans, make them improve their human heredity, euthanasia. The scientific racism. These sound a lot like Nazi ideas, and so I wasn't really originally thinking about Nazism when I started my research on the impact of Darwinism on these, uh, on other things like ethics. Uh, but it became obvious that it was just so—it was just so patently obvious. But no one had really. I mean, I shouldn't say no one. There are a lot of historians who write about the Nazi period do write that they're social Darwinists. That's not an unusual thing. I mean, again, there's a lot of historians that make that claim. So I'm not the first person that's claimed that this kind of thing, but I have brought it out in greater detail and I've shown uh, in – uh, irrefutable detail, in fact, uh, that they were, in fact, relying upon Darwin, not just for peripheral things, but for the core parts of their ideology, the struggle for existence between races, racial inequality, expansionist warfare, uh, and killing of those that you deem as inferior.
1: Well, I mean, obviously, if you believe in an atheistic, uh, strictly Darwinist view of the world, then there is no right or wrong. they killing people, murdering people uh, is not wrong. Uh, you know, any any more than it's wrong to swat a fly. They don't really want to be explicit about that thinking, but that thinking is there.
2: Yeah, it is. And uh, it's why when Hitler was a, was took this to fanatical ends, uh, he was relying upon these ideas that had been put forward by scientists and anthropologists and others uh, before him. Again, he, he was not just sort of a complete outlier uh, there were a lot of scientists who were saying similar kinds of things. There were a lot of scientists in Germany who were promoting not only uh, racism, but anti-Semitism, which is, is racism. It's a specific kind of racism. Uh, but, yeah, the ideas that were being promoted uh, by Darwinian biologists in the time before Hitler and during Hitler's regime were very similar to some of the things Hitler was saying. Now, he took them in a more fanatical direction than maybe many of them would have, uh, but still – uh, it was their ideas that formed the basis for his worldview.
1: Um, I want to mention uh, some people, if they're, they're familiar with, um, you know, Darwinism, generally they're familiar with the Heckel illustrations. Uh, mm-hmm. it, that's the ontogeny, recapitulates phylogeny story. Um, Heckel, of course, a German in the 19th century, uh, you have printed here a picture of, uh, it's the frontispiece of uh, his 1868 book on evolutionary theory. And it's very clear that he is saying that uh, the African races, the uh, Australian Aboriginal races, that they are closer to apes uh, than the Europeans. I mean, this was quote unquote common knowledge in these circles for many decades.
2: Yes, that's true. And, and Heckel was, by the way, more even more racist than Darwin was. He claimed that there actually were 10 different human species. So he divided the human races into different species even. Uh, but this was not just something that was being put forward in Germany either. It was something that was uh, – scientific racism was very prominent in the United States and Britain and other parts of the world as well. If you looked at textbooks, biology textbooks in the early 20th century – Many of them were promoting scientific racism and claiming that the races were uh, different uh, not just uh, physically but also intellectually uh, and and even morally, that they had different moral traits because a lot of uh, biologists in the late 19th and early 20th century believed that moral traits were also biologically inherited.
1: So they're total fatalists. They, they don't believe in, in, in anything, really. I mean, it's, it's just fascinating to me. I mean, we have to walk this through again. When you're talking about strict Darwinism, the idea, of course, is that through random natural processes, uh, mm-hmm. we get whatever it is that we have, this panoply of creation. And it follows perfectly logically that uh, all creatures, including all human beings, are de- by definition, unequal. That some are uh, beyond uh, certain standards and some are below certain standards and it is just fascinating that uh, the people who are proponents of, of, of Darwin and of this kind of naturalism, they, they simply refuse to have these conversations because they know that they'll get in trouble. So they sweep it under the rug I think it's incumbent on us – I say this to you, uh, Richard, my guest, and to my audience – it's incumbent on us to take these arguments lovingly but, but forcefully to people who say, I don't believe uh, in God, I believe in Darwinism, I believe that we got here through natural selection, through accident, and force these folks to see where their ideas lead, that their ideas lead inevitably – inevitably, uh, to racism and how they have to somehow figure out how to deal with that. Um, Your book, of course, Darwinian Racism, does exactly that. But it's it's, it's a basic idea. I mean, I just turned to another page. You have some beautiful illustrations. It's a Nazi school poster. Okay, so my mom in Germany, she would have seen these kinds of things. This is propaganda in Germany in the 30s. And the school poster says, Elimination of the Sick and Weak in Nature. Uh, And it shows, you know, a a strong bird eating a rodent. Uh, It shows somebody chopping down a weak-looking tree. In other words, this was like it became a religion for them. The idea that the weak deserves must be destroyed and the strong must thrive. If you don't look too carefully, it sounds like a nice idea. And then you look at it a little bit and you realize it's satanic. It is absolutely evil. It leads to the most... Savage butchery in history. We only need to think of the Holocaust. But I think Stalin was thinking along these lines. This is what real atheism leads to.
2: Yeah, and as you're suggesting, it's not just a matter of back in the Nazi period either. You know, we see these same ideas being recycled, although usually in different forms. Uh, today, racism isn't so popular among a lot of progressives. But Things like euthanasia, assisted suicide, uh, killing disabled infants or killing them in the womb. Uh, These have been our ways of trying to devalue humans. So sometimes we may change the categories, but still the weak are being targeted.
1: Well, this is a theme, right? In other words, if, if you're walking with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you know these are bad ideas, they're dangerous ideas. If you're not... One way or the other, uh, you will drift over to these ideas. I mean, the demonization of the Jews uh, in Germany is similar to today uh, to the demonization of Christians. I mean, it's, it's not, we're not there yet by the grace of God. But the idea that we're going to find a group that we feel free to demonize, that we feel obliged to demonize, to crush, because they are the problem. Just as the Jews were the problem, mm. now it's other people who have different views that are a problem. And the idea of, cru- of identifying a group and crushing them, which is it, really that's, that, that's at the very heart of what racism is, at its core, it's Darwinist natural selection taken to the next level.
2: Sure. And uh, the eugenics movement was an outgrowth of that in the early part of the 20th century. And I have a chapter in my book where I talk about how the Nazis uh, relied upon Darwinism as the basis for their uh, eugenics movement. But eugenics is resurfacing, of course, in our day uh, as well. Uh, And a lot of times it has the same Darwinian basis. We're also seeing movements like transhumanism, which is basing itself on Darwinism too. And and again, a lot of the These ideologies that are trying to use Darwinism to decide what's valuable and what's uh, less valuable uh, are committing the same kind of fallacies that these early Darwinists were that I talk about. That is, they're seeing some humans as being valuable and other humans as not being valuable. Uh, And some of them are – some people today, some academics today are very explicit about this. I mean Peter Singer, for example, uh, whom you're probably familiar with. He's a professor of uh, bioethics at Princeton University. Uh, Peter Singer is one of the leading figures promoting things like infanticide, euthanasia, uh, and such, and animal rights, interestingly. Uh, So – but on the basis of his understanding, his atheistic understanding of Darwinism.
1: Well, I mean it is interesting that that Hitler uh – Uh, I can't remember the quotes, but when I was writing about Bonhoeffer, I found so many quotes where where he he makes it very clear that whatever religion or philosophy he adheres to looks at uh, Christianity as weak, very Nietzschean idea, right? That Mm -hmm. mercy is antithetical to the natural process. Mercy is foolish. Why should we care for the crippled, the sick, the weak? We should crush them. We should wipe them out. They're useless eaters. That follows logically from this worldview, um, that he had his T4 euthanasia program. you know all about this stuff. Sure. But it follows perfectly logically, whereas Christians have a dramatically different view. We say uh, we want to care for those who are weak, uh, who cannot care for themselves. That, that really flies in the face of, you know, the, the, the laws of Darwin's nature, this idea that the weak Uh, they almost have a duty to get out of the way.
2: Yeah, exactly. And uh, Hitler thought that by... Killing off the weak and the sick, and, and it wasn't just Jews. You know, well, that's the one that was his primary target. But he also killed people with disabilities, Germans with disabilities. There were uh, 200,000 Germans who were killed with disabilities during World War II, uh, as well as tens of thousands in occupied territories. Uh, and this was done in the name of trying to get rid of the unfit. And they they use these Darwinian terms too. You know, unfit the people who are not up to snuff in the Darwinian struggle for existence. And so they're using Darwinism as uh, a rationale for then killing people. And they thought then that by doing this, they're going to be improving humans hereditarily and thus driving the evolutionary process forward. So he thought that he's bringing about evolutionary progress – by killing off the Jews as well as other people's. And one of the more ironic things, too, is that Hitler actually, because he thought that the Jews were biologically immoral, that is, he thought that some of these immoral traits that were uh, stereotypes of the Jews, like being greedy and, and deceitful and lascivious, that these kinds of things were biologically ingrained, he thought that by killing off the Jews, he was actually making the world more moral because he thought the Germans were moral, and the Jews were immoral. So we kill off the immoral people and we'll
1: make the world more moral. I mean, there's a diabolical logic to it, right? That's what's so fascinating oh, yeah. is very few people are willing to see things through to the end. Uh, and Hitler uh, and his cronies, they, they were. Uh, and uh, there are other people in history who've been willing to do that. Stalin, again, another, another one, although – That's a whole other story. We're going to be right back, final segment, talking to the author of Darwinian Racism, Richard Weikart. Don't go away. Hey, folks. I'm talking to the author of a new book, Darwinian Racism, um, How Darwinism Influenced Hitler, Nazism, and White Nationalism. And and Richard Weikart, uh, the author, my guest, you say over and over how Nazism, it, it really arises, their racialist view arises out of Darwinism. And of course, we have to remember Hitler's own book, Mein Kampf, My Struggle, was clearly an allusion to this idea of struggle. You have here a Nazi periodical cover with the message Life Requires Struggle. Leben erfordert Kampf. It all sounds pretty dramatic when you when you say it in German. But this was an idea that was just baked into people's thinking. Uh, in the 20s and in the 30s in Germany, and Hitler rode that uh, to victory, to the Holocaust, uh, to his grave. Again, the headline for me is: Why aren't more people facing this? When you have people like Peter Singer uh, and others talking the way they are, they they seem they seem to know this is true, but they don't they don't care. They just think I like I like this view, so I will. I won't focus on the negative side of it.
2: Yeah. So uh, as you're suggesting Hitler with his confidence, one of the interesting things too, uh, Hitler, as he was uh, talking about the difference between his worldview and the worldview of the Marxists whom he hated, he said that the key difference was that the Marxists believed in class struggle, but he believed in racial struggle. So that really was really a central core idea. And when he's talking about racial struggle, he's talking about a struggle for existence. And interestingly, uh, before Hitler came on the scene, in the late 19th century, there was a German biologist who became a geographer. His name was Friedrich Ratzel. And Ratzel uh, coined the phrase Lebensraum, meaning living space, which meant, and basically, and he talked about a Kampf ums uh, ums Lebensraum, a, a struggle for living space, so the idea is that the struggle for existence is all about gaining territory, and that's one of the reasons why Hitler launched his expansionist war. So these ideas really were core ideas in Hitler's ideology. They weren't just sort of peripheral things. You know, Darwinism wasn't just some like, add-on kind of thing. This is really the core of his thinking about how to carry out his ideas. So if you look at the different policies that were atrocities under his regime, you know, the euthanasia program, the offensive warfare. The extermination of the Jews, the extermination of the gypsies, the extermination of Slavs because they killed millions of Soviet POWs also because they thought Slavs were inferior people too. Uh, we can see that Darwinism really was a, a core ideology uh, for the Nazis, not just some peripheral uh, kind of thing.
1: Well, also at the heart of all this is, is a deep Fatalism, the idea that you are your genes. So if you're a Jew, it doesn't matter if you convert to Christianity, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters except your genes, your blood. So it is really uh, fathomlessly fatalistic that uh, there is no, uh, nothing matters except nature, nothing matters except the material, which again is a radical atheist view. And I think we have to take this argument. To the, to the radical atheists and say, it's, uh, this is not looking good for you.
2: Yeah, it seems like atheists have sort of waffled between biological determinism, which is what the Nazis had, and environmental determinism, which is what the Stalin and the Marxists uh, have, uh, and are they, they really have to sort of choose one or the other, or they also have to break free of that with a Nietzschean uh, kind of perspective. But all of those get rid of the Judeo-Christian view that humans have free will that humans have a spiritual nature to them as well, uh, that we're not just
1: uh, formed by our heredity or by our environment. This is not complicated. Uh, When you look at it squarely, it's fairly simple. I hope folks will get a copy of Darwinian Racism, How Darwinism Influenced Hitler, Nazism and White Nationalism.
0: That was Eric Metaxas interviewing Richard Wyckart on Dr. Wyckart's newest book, Darwinian Racism, a program shared here by permission from The Eric Metaxas Show. Find the book at your favorite online bookseller and be sure to invite a friend to ID the Future for Future podcasts. Until next time, I'm Tom Gilson. Thank you for listening. Visit us at
1: idthefuture.com and intelligentdesign.org. This program is Copyright Discovery
0: Institute and recorded by its Center for Science and Culture.